0: This is a Fubar Radio podcast. Go to FubarRadio.com for more details. Screen Talk with Dan Clark on Fubar Radio.
1: Hello, and welcome to Screen Talk number 14. Uh, now, I want to kickstart the show with a song from Train Spotting because this week uh, there were pictures released online of the cast filming the sequel. Called Trainspotting 2, you may have guessed. Um, uh, I'm really excited about this. I love the original film. I've watched it recently and it still holds up. It's a bold, funny, gut wrenching, visceral movie, and I so, I just so hope the sequel is good. Even if it's as half as good as the original, it'll still be a good film. Uh, one of the things I love about Danny Boyle is he's such a courageous filmmaker, and what I mean by that is he's. Uh, you know, he's got the courage to try things. You know, sure, there's a couple of films in his oeuvre, shall we say? Uh, that makes me sound uh, smart or French. Uh, there's a couple of films in his canon that I'm not nuts about, but you get the feeling like he, he doesn't really care like whether it fails or not, that he just wants to try different genres, different films, and most of them are brilliant films. Um I'm sure he's sensitive to negative breath or whatever, but, uh, but you just feel like he's like, fuck it, let's just do this. Um, and uh, I think you see that in his films. So I was going to try and work out which song from the original transporting movie to kickstart the show with. And I was going through the soundtrack and there's so many. There's Perfect Day, Born Slippy, Lust for Life, Sing by Blur, which is a personal favorite Blur song of mine. So many good songs. And it actually got me thinking that there hasn't really been a movie in a long time that sort of completely captures the zeitgeist of popular culture. You know, like the way that Pulp Fiction did or Train Spotting, you know, where, where everyone's quoting the film, people are dressing like the characters, endlessly quoting and misquoting lines from the film. The people have got the soundtrack, people are copying the artwork. Do you remember the Trainspotting Orange artwork? Everyone was then into Orange. And there hasn't been a film like that in ages. Um, maybe, fingers crossed, uh, Trainspotting 2 will do that same thing again. Um, anyway, so many songs to pick from. So I just did the easy thing and went to the first track. This is Lust for Life, Iggy Pop. For a song that has zero uh, chord changes, it's just like the same th- That's a- Pretty long time to be going on, uh, but what a brilliant song! You know, I've just criticised it, but it's actually uh, a brilliant song. Uh, where do you stand on the whole train spotting thing, James? I have James uh, Gill here from Shortlist Magazine, becoming uh, my um, my wife in crime.
0: Second banana is uh, how I like to think of myself. Oh, okay. I thought that was the way you were
1: describing uh, train, your excitement for train spotting. I'll Second banana, it. to be honest. <laughs> I thought it was a
0: northern thing. A oh, second banana. <laughs> so if I'm so we, so at Shortlist magazine, we've just done. It's out now, folks. We've done a, an issue all about 1996. Okay. It's 20 years since that year. That year yeah. of train spotting and TFI and the Euro- European Championships, mm-hmm. etc. If I'm honest with you, while Britain was going crazy for Britpop and Trainspotting, I was always more into the American stuff. So, like, while Oasis and Blur were huge, I was into, say, Pearl Jam and the Chili Peppers. Mm. So, if I'm honest, I, I think Trainspotting is a, a really good movie, but I don't adore it in the same way that other people adore it. I didn't have the poster on my wall at university, for example. No, I didn't have
1: a poster on my wall, but because um, it's it sort of having a poster of a film like that is a little bit like having a Shea Garava Gour- 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 t shirt in yes, a way. Yes, absolutely. It's a, it's a little bit. Um, a little bit
0: math. I agree. But
1: the fact that it had such a cultural impact, like popular culture. It was huge. You know. It was
0: huge. I mean, that How poster. I, f- I mean, my God. You know, it was, it was iconic, wasn't it? Of the, 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 the main characters mm-hmm. in, in that lineup doing those poses. Do you. Um, do you ha- So it's hard for me to ask you this if you hold hope for a, a sequel to be any good. I'm, I'm sure the sequel will be awesome. Are you a Danny Boyle fan? Yes, I am, yeah, very much so. Good. And I love the fact that he can do so many genres. Mm-hmm. Um, and well. Oh, my goodness. I mean, yeah. uh, I think Sunshine is, is probably yeah. my favourite. Some, some people are a
1: bit hard on Sunshine for some it's reason. But
0: Any film with Mark Strong in it is fine by me.
1: Okay, well, I mean, you're really clutching at straws with your Mark Strong link there, because he's... But sort of
0: hardly in it, is he? I think I think you know how much I love Mark Strong. Yeah. It's sort of like any excuse to crowbar Mark Strong so into a conversation. If
1: there, if you hear that there's a thanks uh, to Mark Strong at the end
0: credits of a film, <laughs> you're going. Yes, yeah, I'm there. I'm there. It doesn't what, matter how tenuous. What I would say as well is there was a relatively unknown actor in that. By the name of Chris Evans, Mm -hmm. and when you watched Sunshine, he he was the guy who really jumped out, wasn't it? It was a real whoa! Hang on a minute, who's that guy? And so, to those of us who've loved Chris Evans for a while, it's perhaps no surprise to see him be awesome as as Captain America. And
1: he he obviously had such a hard time breaking through with what with his namesake. You know, it was really tough for him. Imagine that because Chris, our Chris Evans, he's huge in the US.
0: The person (laughs) I feel really sorry for is 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 Brian Adams because yeah. Ryan Adams came along and was took much, his done I didn't mean he? it's brutal it it would be like Rod Stewart thinking I'm all right and then a guy called bod stewart being even cooler well by the rule rod of St-
1: brian and ryan it would be odd stewart, wouldn't odd it? stewart. <laughs> and I if that isn't a
0: tribute <laughs> act waiting to happen it sounds like a kevin eldon character <laughs> to, odd stewart to be honest odd stewart is <laughs> is kind of what rod stewart's become as he's got older isn't it god bless him yeah. yes he has a train set a toy train set on the top floor of his la mansion and every time rod needs some rod time that sounds awful <laughs> <laughs> He goes and plays with his This is not a euphemism yeah. listeners He literally Google it He plays with a toy train set I,
1: I like that you're, paint, you're painting out a picture That it's probably some Huge millionaire's train set But I like the idea that it's just One little circle going round one and round One track yeah.
0: Solitary train it's, This is not massive. film news yes. Come on You're a film editor Of a magazine um, but, wh- if, but also if you want some random trivia mm. I'm also your
1: man Oh okay, okay. Are you good in pub quizzes? Yeah, I bet. Okay, so look, Train Spotting, uh, that's a sequel that is 20 years. Not in the making, but I think they've been trying to get it made in the last five years. But that's 20 years after the original. Yes. that is that the longest gap between sequels there's ever been? Well, Dan, it's funny you should ask. Seeing as you are the uh, the man with the trivia. I would say off the top of my
0: head, <laughs> I reckon the, the, the time between Bambi, the original Disney classic, and what I believe was a straight-to-DVD sequel, Bambi 2, mm. we are talking 63 years yeah. and 178 days. Do you think, for every one of those
1: 63 years, people were going, when are they doing the sequel? And then when
0: it came out, <laughs> finally! Imagine someone on their deathbed, yeah. just uh-uh. a sequel to... Yeah. 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 Or, death. just as
1: they're about to die, it's all they've ever wanted, and they're literally their last <laughs> breath. Oh, a uh, news just came out, they're making
0: a sequel. <laughs> Ugh, dead. Why? Uh. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that is bonkers, isn't it? Fantasia, the same. Yeah. I had to wait ages for a sequel. Fantasia 2000... Did you watch it? No. No, not a lot of people did. 59 years, 48 days. (laughs) Wow. Incredible. There's a lot of, I'll be honest, I'll level with you, Dan. I think we're friends now, I can be honest. A lot of these are Disney cartoons with sequels that went straight to DVD. Yeah, well, there's obviously money in it. Right. Yes. Cinderella, fifty-one years. Peter Pan, forty-nine. Okay. Years. Some some more. There's that a theme w- here.
1: <laughs> more that we may know or be fans of. Any the the ones off. The, you've actually got a list there. The ones off the top of my head, I doubt they're even in the list because they're they're nothing compared to sixty-three years. But I was thinking, um, the Hustler, Color of Money. Is that
0: a sequel? Yes, or is it that- is. That, you, you've got to say that's a sequel. Okay. And I tell you what, I watched, I rewatched the Color of Money recently. Oh, what a movie Yeah. Oh, It's it's so good I don't
1: think it did very
0: well at the time It didn't do that well Um, And I know that, I think it was Siskel and Ebert Had really helped Scorsese on the comeback trail They'd really championed him He talks about this in that documentary, doesn't he? Uh, That's right And they did not give it a great review And 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 he said that that was his way of them saying We'll help you, but you've you've still got to deliver the goods But I think The The Colour of Money is a minor classic I think it's brilliant Brilliant. And Cruz, I know we talk a lot yeah. About Cruise Because yeah. one day Cru- oh, on. <laughs> Cruise Cruz's charisma In that movie And the, the famous scene Where he's late Go to his head And he's doing All the trick shots yeah, yeah. And Eddie Felson, He's furious uh, t- I mean Crikey so not a direct, special movies Not a direct
1: sequel The two Jakes You know uh, That is the s- Sort of semi-sequel To yeah. Chinatown
0: I suppose Similar deal isn't it In that yeah. it's a sort of sequel They're not They're not Where do you stand on like Going beyond a trilogy Oh, you mean the fact that, say, they're making Toy Story 4?
1: Yeah, that kind of thing. Because doesn't a trilogy just feel neat and like, yeah, this that works.
0: It's like three acts, we comedy in threes, everything's good in threes. I mean, this isn't really answering your question, but look at the Fast and Furious movies. Because <laughs> those movies <laughs> those are getting, getting bigger and better, and we're approaching nine and ten. And so-
1: actually, you could argue, I'm not I'm not necessarily a big fan of the Fast and Furious, but I know from watching and being into film that they kind of had a dip at one point. They did. Almost like, are you still making those? Yes. And now they're like, please still make those. Yeah, yeah that is yeah. so
0: true. It's really you can gone. imagine the studio going, all right, you can make another, whereas now, please, yeah. when are you making the next? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. those things just print money. They make so much money. It's I'm insane. A- I've recently interviewed two of the directors, Justin Lin and James Wan, you think I'm enthusiastic? Yeah. Chat with those two, uh-huh. uh, but those guys, thanks largely to those movies, their their films, their their entire catalog of movies are in the are in the billions, mm. I and mean, it's just incredible. One, the, the one that really upset me was the Indiana Jones one. Now, I would say the contra- controversial. I would say Last Crusade is my favourite Indiana Jones I movie. I love Last Crusade. Oh, the, the it's on a par from, I wouldn't say it's my favourite, it's on a par with Raiders. The chemistry he has yeah, with, with Connery so is... I mean, the bit where you think he's dead, or Connery thinks he's dead, and it's the line, I thought I'd lost your boy. Yeah. Oh, my uh. goodness. Niagara Falls. <laughs> <laughs> I, um... Yeah, I,
1: I, I think I went to see it twice at the cinema twice, here's a little story for you, this yes. is, this is um, a kind of observation on humour and, and age, right so I, one of the two times I went to the cinema to see it, I was sat with my brother who's a couple of years older than me and they did, I think it was the second time I went to see it and he did uh, they first meet, Connery and um, uh, Harrison Ford, they finally he finally finds his yes. dad and then he says, where's the diary and he went oh, well I brought it with me And he because he was meant to yeah, yeah. he sent it to him to get it away from the Nazis and he says the line, "I should have it to the Marx Brothers." And i got gonna be right. That's good. That is a good impression, right? And then look. You that was you you amazing, Dan <laughs> the, uh, Stop it! All right, I've got others. I've got. You others. were a I hero before.
0: Time. You've become a god. <laughs> that was amazing. Calm down, no, James. That Calm was, down, right? People listening, he did the face. <laughs> all I can do is go Shoshajish, but you did the, fu- oh, I did the full. Oh damn! Can, you do, do, full, full can you do the I did the
1: full. Roger Moore oh Miss Moneypenny there you go so um, <laughs> so he says I should have shunted to the Marx Brothers and then the cinema erupts with laughter and this is the second time I've seen the film in about uh, the space of a week or so and I turn to my brother and I go I just don't see. I knew who the Marx yeah, Brothers yeah. were but I was like I just don't see how that's funny and my brother said to me oh you know that's a joke for old people when you're old you'd probably like that and I thought in my head no I fucking wouldn't I know what's funny I was about 12 and then right? you rewatched it and then I watched it. it was on tv not long ago and he went i should have shunted to the Marx brothers
0: and there i was chuckling yeah. away and i was like oh my god i'm, I'm old <laughs> uh, mate that conery that, uh, that is a quite gift quite for the way, ages it? it really has
1: um can i do anyone else um my daddy put this watch up his ass
0: ali g fantastic yes good okay uh so what news do you bring with you okay so star wars episode 8 by all accounts is in fine fettle uh, mm-hmm. The director Rian Johnson Has has Instagrammed That they're on the home straight So they've pretty much finished uh, filming and, that, and then the special effects will then take over do Which you, is incredible Do you think that um, The
1: average punter is like Oh I hope they wrap on time
0: Well uh, but I, what I would say is that your average punter Probably is aware The reason why this, I- this is more interesting mm-hmm. Is because obviously Rogue One Which is out in a couple a few, of weeks yeah, <laughs> which is out in six months uh, is having to go back in for extra shooting so if I was working on Rogue One and I heard the news that Rian Johnson's pretty much uh, yeah, done yeah. and dusted with it, you'd be like you son of a gun now obviously a lot of films have reshoots so it may not be that big of a yeah, deal yeah, yeah. The, but, however they have brought in Tony Gilroy from Michael Clayton and the Bourne movies mm-hmm. so you know who knows maybe the reshoots are bigger than we perhaps realized or maybe it's all perfectly normal what i would say is maybe they just want a shaky camera fight scene so uh, that's why they got yes meet. exactly yeah. bit of my tie <laughs> hand to hand <laughs> but obviously based on the trailer Rogue One looks yeah. amazing so good maybe it's just not in the brand enough that's the chat the chat is it's because The Force Awakens was such an uber smash and felt like a continuation of 4, 5 and 6 yeah, yeah. maybe they're thinking that it doesn't quite fit in with those other four too, movies a bit too so apparently left they're, field they're or cranking up the laughs whereas at the moment it's quite a sombre
1: Well, they should have got... War movie. They should have got some joke writers in rather than Tony Gilroy, shouldn't they? Who is brilliant, by the way. Is it Tony? It is. Tony, yeah. Um, Yeah, they should have got some, uh, you know, some gag writers. Dan and I would have done that for free. Well, you might have. Sorry,
0: I would have done that for free. (laughs) I would have at least asked for a travel card. (laughs) My agent right now is shouting at the radio, No, you wouldn't! (laughs) I definitely would. Uh, So... um, also, you, uh, you mentioned to me the small... Are uh, you, t- you texting your agent? Don't listen to today's podcast. I am sorry for <laughs> what I just said about <laughs> Star Wars. So, yeah, okay, so Warcraft, it's fair to say, has been met with some pretty middling reviews. Mm-hmm. It opens in the US this weekend, and predictions are that it may underperform. However, this isn't the first movie that has done incredibly well in China. So it's made something like $46 million in China already. It's on course to be an absolute uber smash over there. So again, what is interesting is that films that we may think are going to be something of a disaster can be rescued by the Chinese market. Mm -hmm. And also what you see are some studios... Pandering is maybe too harsh But certainly uh, Let's say Appealing To the Chinese market So I believe it was Iron Man 3 Who was written Mm -hmm. by Our mutual dear friend uh, (laughs) Drew That's one for the regulars Drew Pierce That I believe Had a special scene That was tailored Purely for The uh, China market Yeah So what I'm saying is uh, I think you can expect To see More of this Because These Chinese audiences Have this voracious Thirst For these Big western movies Yeah You
1: mean like films made by the West, not Western movies
0: Well, there's a Magnificent Seven remake out yeah. later this year so,
1: maybe. so you never know So maybe um, Also, you were talking about uh, You texted me this morning that Game of Thrones Is, is going to be the longest
0: Yes, so longest the finale. finale So I, I think the series has, has been can excellent I just, Can I just say oh no, you before we go? No, I never, I, I've oh, ne- never watched I it I've not seen a second of it
1: Producer, you, thank you Are you up to date as well? Yeah there we go. It just—I'm not in like—and I know what you're going to say. You're going to say to me, "It's not like that." It's you know, it's different. It's. Go edu- on. Do you not like anything that's? I just don't am not into wizards and dragons and things.
0: You know, it's funny because my my wife is exactly the same. So we put on episode one, mm-hmm. and as soon as someone said, uh, "I know the word Amulets so she was like, "Turn it off." Really? That was it. Yeah, absolutely. Straight yeah, away. Yeah. Good night. Uh, this series. <laughs> good, night. good night. Thank you. I'll be in the in the other room watching Towie on a tablet. Um, for those of us who are watching, I think this series, this season, has been exceptional, and the finale is said to be the longest episode yet. Um, also, tw- twenty six tw- hours. Twenty six hours of pure Thrones. <laughs> also, I don't want to spoil it, but they've released the titles uh, of the ep- of the remaining episodes. Listeners, check out the title. For episode nine, and it is—shall I say what it is? Um, I'm going to say what it is. It's uh, turn off now if you don't want to turn off now because it it is a spoiler.
1: Switch back on in uh, 15 seconds. Go.
0: So it's called Battle of the Bastards, which I think will happens every Friday night (laughs) in uh, North uh, Leeds, (laughs) uh, which will be Ramsey. I believe, versus Jon Snow. And if you're a Thrones fan, that is, like, the, amazing. The newsreader. Yes. Um,
1: the, so that's probably a joke everyone's done because that's the first time I've heard that guy's name. I um, I just want to tell me why it's so good in sim-
0: really layman terms. You're a film fan? Yeah. Okay, I would say for you, it's shot beautifully. The characters are three-dimensional and the dialogue is wonderful as well. There are storylines that you actually care about and the great thing is because there are so many characters, there are there are definitely going to be a couple of characters where you're like, I don't really yeah. care about those but there are always going to be people who you really can hang your hat on. So even if you don't like one storyline, there's going to be another one coming any minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so like EastEnders. You know what? It's a lot like <laughs> EastEnders but say Peter Dinklage, for example, is mm-hmm. a, a big fan favourite because he's a wonderful actor yeah. and his storyline has been fantastic. There's someone that I know well and I'm sure you know her well, Gemma Whelan.
1: I don't know her well. I know who uh, I know who she is. So, yeah, yeah. So Gemma Whelan, she's a
0: comedian as well, yeah, right? Exactly. So if you if you may have seen Gemma Whelan on the circuit as Chastity Butterworth, so mm-hmm. if you can imagine this prim and proper uh, potty mouthed Victorian schoolmarm smashing up the comedy circuit, and then to see her. Can I say lesing off? <laughs> but to see her lesing off, if I could become a 15-year-old schoolboy again, uh, on Monday night's episode was pretty jaw-dropping. But she is wonderful in it. She's great. Her and Alfie Allen uh, a brother and sister. Right, listeners, bearing in mind their brother and sister, can you remember what their first scene together was? Let's just say they were on a horse together. And I'll leave it at that, okay, yes, you clearly love your g o t don't you i I, th- I do I do think it's excellent it's it's very well made, and uh, as i say the i think the fact that they've created these characters that you that you care about so much. Uh, is its greatest strength. It's almost irrelevant that it's set in this mm-hmm. fantastical setting. It's, uh, it's it is just great TV, and I think part of the reason why so many A-listers and big name actors are wanting to make the move to television because you can tell the story that is so much richer. Ian McShane, who we remember as Lovejoy, I don't. I, I, I think not enough time has passed for me to spoil Monday's episode.
1: Yeah, I think.
0: Be careful! Be though, careful! Because I'm getting a lot of uh, really?
1: angry tweets about your sport. No, I'm not. Oh, I'm
0: not. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, what, See, I agree with you about the. Uh, well, about all I will we'll say is you're getting some big names dropping in for small parts. Yeah,
1: yeah. I agree with you about the TV is now it's filling that space that cinema's no longer doing. So things like Breaking Bad, uh, Sopranos, they were like classic. Uh, stories you would have told in, you know, the 70s cinema kind of That's right. era. That's right, absolutely. Um, and, but now, like you say, you've got the t- time and uh, opportunity to develop them and to go off in different directions. But it's a shame, because I feel like I would
0: still like to see those films being made as I, well. I, I agree 100%, and we must you know, you and I, we love the films, we love going to the cinema, mm. and uh so a film I saw recently, which takes us into the new releases, mm-hmm. is, is *Conjuring 2*. Mm-hmm. Now *Conjuring 2* is all about the famous Enfield hauntings that existed in the 1970s, where a girl may or may not have been possessed. And didn't did they do a TV version? Exactly. Of this so recently? they did. Yeah. So they did do a TV version over three episodes on Sky Living. Yeah. And you know what? It was excellent because yeah. over the longer time period, you got to know these characters. You could go deeper into their backstories. It was a fantastic TV show. It really was. However, James Wan reminds us all that cinema is still king so while he can't go as deep in terms of character development as the tv show did um because of the beauty of cinema and the beauty of the surround sound and the darkness um Conjuring 2 is still a wonderful cinematic experience that you still can't quite get on the small screen. Is it,
1: It's the, is the Conjuring 2 based on the...
0: The Enfield, okay. it's the exact- but the first one isn't. The first one isn't, but he, he follows two real-life paranormal investigators. Right. So they they did actually exist, and they have loads of cases that they worked mm-hmm. on down the years. So hopefully, if Conjuring 2 is also a success, there'll be many more uh, chapters in this franchise to come. Patrick Wilson is the male lead, and uh, if you're brilliant. a movie fan, I think we all have like a top ten list of underrated actors and actresses mm-hmm. who we love. Patrick Wilson is just yeah, awesome. He's brilliant. I love him in um, was it called Lakeside? No, is it Lakeside Terrace? It's the
1: one with uh, Samuel Jackson, who's like the oh yeah cop yeah, next yeah yeah door, yeah. Never seen it. Going nuts. Is I mean, worth the, a watch. It's like Pacific Heights and Unlawful Entry. There's loads of these films yeah, yeah, where yeah. there's a sort of stalker, crazy man, who, and people are like, is he crazy? Is he not? But it's really good, sure, just okay. because mostly because of the performances. But yeah, check it out, um, James. Thank you.
0: The time's flown by. Thank you so much. Always um, a pleasure.
1: We will uh, speak again, no doubt. Um, probably cuddle a bit. Uh, I only come for the cuddling. Yeah. Um, this uh, uh, next song is from today's special guest. Uh, this is Tonight the Streets Are Ours by Richard Hawley from the film Exit Through the Gift Shop. Mm. So, with me uh, in the studio, I am delighted uh, to introduce Doc Brown, otherwise known as Ben Bailey Smith. Which, which
2: name do you go by? I don't know. Whichever you're happier with, really. I mean, is you don't have for, to say the full name. Is it two hats? <laughs>
1: I'm no, going to call no, you Ben no, Bailey oh, Smith Do- every Dox, time.
2: Doc's like a nickname I've had since I was in school, so either or, they both, they both work. Some people are comfort- more comfortable with one than the other. I really have no preference.
1: I first was aware of you doing stand-up, and it mm. was as Doc Brown, mm. um, and uh, I was uh, a little bit confused. Because of the
2: <laughs> other Doc Brown, not the yeah, Dr. Brown, but the
1: guy from Back to the oh, Future. right, yeah. I was really hoping. Yeah, I suppose <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be
2: easier, yeah, it'd be easy to be confused with Dr. Brown because we were doing the same job at the same time. We yeah. even got each other's bookings. Um, Did you? Occasionally, oh, yeah. Geez. And we got each other's fans until we both really established ourselves and, and our styles, you know. Mm-hmm. But I don't think anybody ever came expecting to see Christopher Lloyd uh, p- <laughs> perform fifteen-minute excerpts from Back, from Back well, to the Future. That's why, so,
1: uh, that's why I turned up to the gig.
2: That no. never happened.
1: Um, so, why? Did, ha- what made you pick uh, that song? By the way, great. Film. Uh,
2: I was on a plane once on, on route to a gig, and uh, I'd heard about Exit to the Gift Shop. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounded up my street. I watched it, and um, it starts off with. Footage of people bombing trains and stuff, mm-hmm. and that song plays. You know, yeah. obviously, as a reflection of you know tonight, is it, the, the streets belong to the bombers. But it hit me straight away that song, and I was like, "Who's this?" Obviously, wait, had to wait till the um, end credits to yeah, see who it was on our plane, plane, was on, right? plane yeah. on airplane mode, and 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 uh, all of that. And I saw it was Richard Hawley, and I thought, oh, "Yeah, I've heard of that dude, but I've not yeah. really heard any of his music." So obviously, as soon as I was off the plane, I downloaded the song then got obsessed with it and then i downloaded an album called cole's corner mm-hmm. which is l- literally flawless from start to finish and then i downloaded lady bridge another album and it's the same again i mean the guy is he's a powerhouse of that world of music i don't really know how i describe it it's like a little bit f- folky a little mm-hmm. bit yeah it's kind little, of folk rock uh, yeah indie, bit yeah indie. yeah it's, but it's very very soulful yeah and the lyrics are superb throughout there's a sort of
1: it kind of reminds me across between Morrissey and Roy Orbison, his voice.
2: Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. Know. I can see that. I can see that. Um, um, and a strange contrast. It's very Sheffield.
1: Yeah, strange contrast to the actual uh, documentary as well. The world that they inhabit. Yeah, big
2: time. Big Do you time, love the film? Uh, I, I, I love Strong. <laughs> I enjoyed it. You know, but yeah. it's not like up there in my you know top top ten films. i yeah, yeah. uh, not even top ten documentaries. I mean, it's it, it's it's good. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sometimes but there's, there's a tone to it where you're unclear throughout whether this is actually real yeah. or false, which is fine, mm-hmm. but it's when when you're into documentary it's a little bit like actually I, I want I want the facts. <laughs> Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So there is there's an element to it that's a little bit of a frustrating watch, but it's definitely entertaining.
1: I think I've had that with a couple of films. The one that springs to mind was The Imposter and I kept getting this feeling yeah. that the sto- the makers of the film had deliberately changed the order of events so that the story work better. I felt exactly yeah.
2: the same about it. There was something not quite right yeah. and not in not in a good old-fashioned unsettling way, which yeah. is what it should have been because it's a very unsettling story, yeah. The Imposter. But yeah, I did feel... Why there is was that, though? Because neither of us know for certain,
1: but we both had no, the same No, we had
2: that feeling. It's just a very interesting like to say that. And, yeah. I, you know, I'm totally up for being manipulated yeah. in a document to make it more entertaining um, but like I say there is an element cause I don't know if you're like me but when I watch a documentary feature I, I don't do it during but i can't wait for the end to like wiki the shit oh, out, man, of it, totally. wiki the heck out of it I yeah, yeah. Say. you
1: can i think um,
2: we're allowed to swear aren't we on this one yeah <laughs> i've got a, a
1: pleasing wink
2: from the producer <laughs> yeah um, you know so uh there is an element where it's like dude just just give me the facts i don't mind if it, yeah. it lets it might in your eyes let the story down a touch but for me it's like the truth is is everything is it? You know? Is it? Do you like to? Is it because
1: you're fact checking, or is it because you just want to know even more about it? Or I for me, I, w- I wiki the shit out of mm. a documentary mm. after I've watched it, just to see if everything happened the way they're sure. s-
2: saying it happened. Sure. I mean, when it's most gratifying is is when it adds even more, and you're like, oh mm. my god, there could have been a, a sequel to yeah, this yeah. with all the other stuff that's happening. Like you know. When, when you get I to think. the end of when you get to the end of the jinx, and uh, you wow, realise yeah, yeah. that the case is going on right now, yeah, you're like oh my god, I want to see like a day by day blow, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a feature length collection of what's going on now. You want, you want ten, um, uh, an
1: hour update every day, yeah. Personally. yeah. But I think there
2: is a fact checking element. I'm, I'm I've long been of the belief that uh, you know when we stopped becoming hunter gatherers. We just sort of moved into the 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 realm of like hunting for useless information to Mm. make us make ourselves feel like powerful powerful beings again. Um, (laughs) Hunter, uh, uh, but there's a there's a. Have you
1: seen the film While We're Young with um, Ben Stiller? I really enjoy that film, Mm. probably too much because of the sort of observation on age and Mm -hmm. stuff. But uh, there was a there's a moment where Ben Stiller, Naomi Watts. Adam Driver and Amanda Seyfried, they're all chatting away. They're the young, cool couple, Mm. and Ben Stiller's sort of in awe of them. (laughs) And then they're trying to think of something, like a fact. And then Ben Stiller goes to get his phone out, and Adam Driver goes, no, 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 don't, don't, uh, let's (laughs) see if we can guess. And they try and guess, and they can't. So he tries to find out, and he went, no, no, no. Let's just not know.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's really funny. And it scene. really blew his mind the idea of not knowing, mm. which I relate to. Unacceptable. Yeah, it could have really easily been overly pleased with itself that movie, and yeah. it just about stays it's on the cusp on the right side. Yeah. 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 yeah,
1: so uh, for people uh, li- uh, listening um, who are trying to put a face, a voice to a face. I mean, I'm, sh- I'm sure lots of people know your work, but you are the co-creator and star of the Four O'clock Club. You starred in Law and Order. Uh, you were in uh, Give Out Girls. Uh, uh, you were the co-performer on Ricky Gervais's Equality Street video, which is now. I was watching that this morning. It's fucking hilarious, by the way. Thank you. Uh, it's now on like just under five million hits on. YouTube which wow. uh, isn't bad at all is it? It's not quite Gangnam style numbers but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a billion but that's pretty fucking good, that's good. Um, and uh, I believe you'll be reprising your role with uh, uh, Ricky on his upcoming film is that right?
2: That's right yeah, yeah. I mean uh, Equality Street really was the, the, the sort of jump off point for, for the movie life on, on the road and you know Ricky always talked about doing it but I never thought it would come mm-hmm. to fruition um, so he
1: was talking about it when you were making yeah, that yeah, yeah yeah
2: Ricky's always thinking about the next project you mm-hmm. know and you know when we wrote quality Street we, we also wrote another six or seven songs together oh, brilliant um, so we, we were always thinking of like maybe doing like an album mm-hmm. like a weird sort of buddy like buddy story album uh, yeah um, with the two characters with the two characters yeah. you know uh, we were thinking about doing gigs and we did do a few gigs in character yeah um but yeah, he always had one eye on on you know bringing Brent back for a, for a full on movie. Um, how did it come? How did you get involved
1: in that uh, in the video? Because it was a charity single. We did wasn't it for it? Comic
2: Relief. Yeah, yeah right. So it, it, I guess it all started in 2012 when Ricky phoned me out of the blue. I'd never met him before. Um, but it turned out we had a mutual friend who worked in live comedy mm-hmm. who'd shown him some YouTube clips of me okay. doing stand-up so he called me got, got my number and called me and asked if I'd open for him at some gigs and your stand-up in, uh, is
1: predominantly rapping with sort of jokes was that how you would describe um, it in a crass in no a
2: really it's, it's r- predominantly just stand-up but there it is peppered with like the odd rhyme basically mm-hmm. Okay. so maybe in 15 minutes there'll be three sort of one minute Um, moments of like spoken word yeah yeah rap yeah um i'll I'll talk about rap sometimes it's just part of my life isn't it so Mm -hmm. but it is just stand up really um and uh yeah so i went and opened for him out in oslo and uh stockholm we went around scandinavia a little bit and um whilst we were there how
1: were they what were they like as an audience they were amazing i mean i'd
2: gigged over there before and their, their english is impeccable yeah but, you know, also the world is a smaller place what with YouTube and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're into British comedy, it's not exactly, yeah, it's yeah. not like it used to be. Like You can just watch anything. So yeah. people are more than ready to see a, a Ricky it's Chaffee's not... gig pretty much anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we did a couple of warm-ups and we played um, We played the Spectrum in Oslo, which is it's just under 8,000 people. Wow. And then we played um, the Ericsson Globe yeah. in Oslo. Uh, Stockholm which is 13 and a half
1: that's amazing isn't it playing that many people. people in
2: another country I mean that's bonkers yeah. that, that place was full um, but yeah like after the gigs you know we went and had some beers and um, he was telling me about this, this show that he'd, he was devising called Derek mm-hmm. and he showed me a little um, video that he'd made of this character and I was like oh okay and he was like yeah I'm trying to make a, like a six part series and he was like but I want to crowbar you in somehow Mm-hmm. So he said, you know, when we get back to London, come come hang out. And Has anyone ever said that sentence ideas. to
1: you? I want to crowbar you in. Uh, yeah, more than once, surprisingly, <laughs> really? in
2: various different situations, maybe, which <laughs> I can't really get onto on radio. But, um, yeah, we went back to London, and, and, and sure enough, you know, I, I went around there, and he devised, you know, four or five episodes, and he was like, Look, I want to write one around a character mm-hmm. for you. We'll work it out. So we came up with this character, um, a dude who was, you know, on um, doing community service basically in the yeah. old people's homes that gave me a reason to be there. And we'd sort of developed one episode together. So that was the first time we sort of properly knuckled down and worked together. And during that process, you know, we talked a lot about how we were both sort of failed musicians, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that made it, it just made us laugh to ourselves talking about our experiences and trying to get in the charts and stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, he said, why don't, why don't we just, you know, muck about and and write some songs mm-hmm. get the guitar you know um and uh and that was it we just started improvising you know around his place and putting little ideas together and equality street was one of the first sort of two or three songs that we wrote and he said we oh, we got to do a video we should do it as brent with like a rapper who doesn't want to be there kind yeah, of thing yeah. and uh that was it he called richard curtis gave us some money to to make the video and then we put it out for Comic Relief because he was like, look, if I bring Brent back for that, there's, you can't really criticise it because it's for Comic Relief yeah, and that's the yeah. kind of thing you see at Comic Relief, yeah. you know, classic characters doing something different. But it was still different. so, uh, you, know,
1: um, so right, you know, it still had so much of that um, original David Brent yeah. essence. It didn't and feel like something that was like, oh, exactly. was
2: And the response was so sort of overwhelmingly positive that that gave us the confidence to say, oh, well, let's maybe look into Doing like a, taking this story further, like mm-hmm. what are these two guys really about? And we got in uh, um, Tom Basden, who I'm sure you know, yeah, yeah. playwright and, and screenwriter, brilliant writer, brilliant yeah. brilliant comedian, just all around, brilliant man.
1: Sketches with you guys as well. Did uh, he do, yeah, he reti- was in
2: the sketch and yeah. comic relief. And yeah. um, we sort of just retained his services and we worked, started working up some ideas for the script together and just. Improving the three of us In, in a room And, and, and mucking around and, and eventually got this script together And uh, Yeah we went into shooting At the end of last year Really quick shoot Over like sort of five weeks Really And um, A lot of music A lot of gigs We got in a proper band mm-hmm. uh, Andy Burrows Came in from Razorlight And sort of Kind of MD'd all the music And we recorded the soundtrack At the same time And uh tom plays like a reluctant sort of sound engineer yeah but he was just a great soundboard in general for oh man for comic ideas and he's it's a brilliant sound- actor too so
1: it sounds like a dream job
2: it, it to be honest you know i've been on maybe a yeah i've been on maybe 20 shoots but that one was the one where it was like okay i was born to be a part of this yeah you know i get to rap i get get to improvise i get to act i get to write um and i get to genuinely sort of be on tour because we were p- performing in all these different venues mm-hmm. traveling with the band and you know living we drank all the prop drinks basically <laughs> all of them
1: <laughs> you're literally living the dream it was beautiful. so were you, so how long were you a musician before you got into comedy and acting um about 11 years wow yeah That's a, um it's, it's weird with music um i always feel like uh it's unfairly uh y- um that Age is somehow A currency in pop music Like you can be old If you made it When you're younger <laughs> Yeah like that's Bruce, fine Bruce Springsteen Still releases an album yeah. When he's in his 60s But if a yeah, new guy On the scene In his 60s Turned Steve up Steve No
2: I, I think the only dude Is probably um, C6 Yeah. Yeah Is that his yeah, name? Yeah C6 yeah Steve? yeah the, He's yeah.
1: kind of country blues yeah he came yeah. in old he came in but that sort of blues it is, thing yeah. it has to be you can't be a young what, what, what no one, young person yeah. knows it's about, about the your blues. troubles
2: no, <laughs> yeah. no. Um, um, that's the beauty of stand up though isn't it really yeah, Like definitely the, the, the more sort of haggard and unattractive you are the, the, the more that was always you've my problem <laughs> <laughs> the more chance you've got I think of people believing in your
1: troubles yeah I think they want to they want to hear from someone that's sort of uh, again that Anti-establishment mm. or low status, or they don't. Yeah. Or they in want this to feel your vulnerability. yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I and mean, you're still doing stand-up
2: occasionally. Sounds like I mean, you're busy it, I don't this. really have time. Yeah. That's that's the main thing. And uh, I think with stand-up, you're kind of all in. Like you know, you got to be ready to, to go anywhere in the world, and you've got to be able to give up a lot of time for travel you know mm-hmm. people think on oh, will stand up so you, know, you can do 20 minutes of work yeah, a day yeah. but it's the travel that kills you and I, n- I need to be around because I'm contracted to do so much other stuff yeah. now so I will come back to stand up you know in yeah. earnest but not not this year. At what point in your music
1: career were you thinking maybe I should be funny rather I than. I never th- thought that. No? I never thought it even once. Did someone say to you you do realise yeah. what you're doing is funny. Yeah I-
2: exactly uh, So, so what happened was Um, and you're like I'm
1: paring my soul here guys uh, what do you mean that's funny I had a friend
2: (laughs) who used to work at Radio 1 who um, got back in contact with me at the end of 2007 and he'd gone into writing comedy Mm. and um, he'd written a vehicle for Lenny Henry um, with like an all black cast for Radio 4 and uh, he called me up out of the blue and he was like do you think would you be up for like just looking over this script for me because you know kind of a white guy I feel a little bit awkward about some of the dialogue and you know I just think you could help out Yeah, I'll get the BBC to give you a couple hundred quid and I was like yeah okay cool whatever fact checking again weren't you yeah very much so (laughs) so I went in there and uh, I did what anybody would do you know with no real knowledge of comedy other than I'd seen sitcoms Mm. on television just like anybody else I just thought oh you know well you can't say that you really can't say that if it's a half six on radio (laughs) four could say this but i think it'd be funnier if he said it like this and i don't believe that someone would say that that kind of thing you know what anyone would do and then um you know got my 200 quid and that was that but then i got a call from the producer saying oh um we actually think we quite like you to work the whole series um, as a kind of script consultant. Yeah. And I met Lenny and he was like, oh my God, I can't believe it's like, there's no black writers at the BBC, yeah. you know, it's so important that you're here. And I was like, well, I'm not, not, a, I'm not a writer. Like, <laughs> And I'm not at the BBC. <laughs> yeah. And, but I ended up working the whole series. Lenny started giving me little speaking roles. And then, you know how it goes. I started doing the same thing on other Radio 4 shows, just mm-hmm. writing gags yeah. and helping out. And on some shows, I'd write little songs, silly jingles, if there were shows that needed Comic songs, yeah, yeah, and it was at that point that one of the senior producers there said, "You yeah, know, why? Wh- I don't understand why you don't perform comedy because you can write funny songs, you can clearly write gags, you've been and doing you're a that, performer. and you're a performer. Yeah. You know, it's like a no-brainer." And I was like, "Well, because I'm I'm not a joke, like I'm a serious guy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I still <laughs> had that musician head on, and he talked me into going down to this night, and and you know, telling my story in a humorous way, and, and that's how it started."
1: And did you get a bit of a, that hit when you got a room going and you were like, actually this I is didn't stuff. get
2: any laughs at no. all, but I didn't... Why I'd, did you go back? Uh, because he you... asked me to. He asked me to come <laughs> back and like, actually structure some jokes. Because so I just okay. went up and did what he said. I told my story. Yeah. And he was like, that would have been really interesting if it was a talk. Yeah, But, you know, you need to make people laugh. You need some gags. And I just didn't feel... Any, like, I felt no awkwardness or pain at people not laughing because I just had no reference point. I'd never watched stand-up. Yeah. like I've never been into stand-up. So, like, I was just, like, there telling my story and people wow. were like, oh, right. There was no, there was no moment yeah. where you felt death in the room because he, people were like, he seems really yeah, happy seems with okay. himself. So yeah, he seems, seems really okay. Like, there must be, like, a big... And you got a clap You're like, It must be okay. like a big twist At the end That's <laughs> hilarious And then I was just like Alright thanks bye And they were like Oh, oh no yeah. <laughs> Alright okay Who was Like what yeah. was that about Maybe
1: the joke's Like later tonight Or yeah. something <laughs> So um, yeah I of it, kinda kinda started it helps Having complete That complete Definitely. fearlessness There's no,
2: no doubt it helps Because that same summer I got to the final Of So You Think You're Funny I'd not, never is. written a joke. Wow. I'd never written anything for myself. I was just getting up there and going, okay, so now that bit of the story, if I truncate that, that's got a funny bit there. Yeah, yeah. This bit's got a funny bit there. Then I'll do this little rap here. And that's all I did. Seven minutes was all you needed. I got all the way to the final. And then by then, there was industry people going, I'll book you to do this, I'll book you to do that. And I, all of a sudden, I was a professional stand-up.
1: In fact, that was where I saw you. you
2: were, were you in the same final as Sarah Pascoe? Josh Widdicombe and, and Ahir Shah Daniel Sloss uh, really Daniel Simonson amazing. and Sean, Sean Walsh yeah like it I, it I looked at the list all the way back to when Alan Davis won the first one in 91 yeah. and ours is the only one where everybody's working like, yeah. it's like a household name today yeah that's amazing it's incredible so it's great Good pedigree yeah, yeah.
1: So, uh, what are you doing at the moment? What, what kind of stuff are you working on?
2: Uh, well, main, mainly just acting, comedy and drama, yeah. you know, those are the main things, TV and, and, and movies. And, and did um, that
1: come off the back of the stand That came from stand-up, yeah. yeah,
2: because, you know, as soon as you're up there on, on stage doing stand-up, you realise you are, you're writing and acting, you're writing script and you're mm-hmm. acting. That's what you're doing. Um, and it was exactly the same as as a rapper I was writing script and acting it out and I thought I I can do this and the big game changer was when I created that kids show for CBBC in 2010 Mm -hmm. because they were like and you're going to be in it right and I was like "Mm, I don't know about that like I'm not really an actor (laughs) and um, you know the same thing happened again I just got encouraged to do it and actually it was the DP on that It it was the director of photography who was you know operating the camera and he was the one who was really like the way you just did that that was perfect or you would say like the way you just did that it's, it's like it's too it's too big like wow. you don't need to did
1: the director not get annoyed with the dop doing all that no
2: because it's like that so i know how much i'm sure you you, you did the how, how not to live your yeah. life right yeah yeah so you know about the the process sometimes on longer uh formats um which a lot of children's television is like 13 episodes yeah you get just like loads of different directors, yeah. like one. so. There's not really a director who's like, "This is my yeah. baby." Whereas the DP's like, it's the same DP on five five series, yeah. you know. So you're not oh. telling him shit, yeah. And he was a really cool guy as well. So he'd just make these little, and also, you know, even though I was the number one on it, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Yeah.
1: And the proximity, so it was well. really
2: helpful. He's always
1: there, right there. So you yeah. can, you can. So have he that kind very of, quick.
2: I sort of credit him with being like my acting coach. Wow. Because you What's know, I was name? fresh off stage. His name's is Dougie Hallows. Yeah, um, he's he's people going to be a write- bit of a legend in north in the northwest. You know, people going to be right actors are going to be writing to him for for mentorship. <laughs> yeah. you know? can
1: you help me with my acting? Yeah. So he's yeah. he
2: was the one who could just spot straight away. Like I'm bringing too much of the stage to yeah. the to the set. You don't need to shout. Like the yeah. mic's going to pick you up. You know.
1: That's amazing.
2: Um, you don't. Your eyebrows don't need to go that high just because yeah. you're surprised. You know? <laughs> so I can. I can. He's like. I can read how you feel. You just. You just think about. Yeah. How you're feeling when you say that line. I. I I'll. I'll do the rest.
1: You'd be surprised how few directors will help someone with that. They'll. they A lot yeah, of I people go.
2: Every director expects you to be fully formed when you're yeah, there. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, a, I went from that job. It gave me confidence to audition. I auditioned for. um this HBO series to mm-hmm. play like a hitman and uh, they sent me you know the sides um, and was this put you, did you put yourself on tape or did you go no, over no, there they, 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 they had me in the room right. um, but I was so green I didn't re- I didn't even really understand the th- oh yeah like here's your sides like whatever so yeah whatever like I was just reading the date and the time that I need to be in the room mm-hmm. so I get there and they're like okay and I was like yeah, um, I don't really know like what you guys want to do. Like, you want to have like a chat, or you want me to do some like improv or <laughs> stuff. And they were like, "No, no, we want you to do the fucking lines." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, that's the thing." I was just like, I, "There was no script or anything." And they were like, "We sent you two sets of sides." I was like, "Oh, s- sides? Oh, Is that wow. what, like okay, right, right?" And I was What's just sat there thinking. Okay, I've completely screwed this. Great. <laughs> what and, uh, did you think the sides were then? I don't know. I just, just did. Like did that just yeah. Just that. I just didn't. I, I often uh, producer that will tell you. I skim the shit out of emails. So yeah. Um. I just like. I don't know. I just. I. I just sat there and thought. Hmm. I've screwed this, and they just gave me the sides, and they were like, "Okay, well, look, read." Yeah. You know, and I just was so angry with myself i just you know i read through them just think just get me out of here I've just, it's such a wasted trip get me out of here i was so pissed off and the then a couple of weeks later i got the call and they were like yeah we we, we want him and i couldn't believe it and i th- all i can imagine was that i was so livid yeah with myself but holding it in that they really? thought this guy could be a psychopath Do you <laughs> know what i mean he could be a hitman and so I played, you know, I can't, I, I, I wasn't skilled enough to do a big, angry Al Pacino type hitman. Mm-hmm. So I I played it like that. I just, I was very, very quiet. Mm-hmm. I, I never shouted, but I took out like 200 people over the course of that series. Wow. I blew up a building. <laughs> it's <laughs> amazing. What was the show called? It was called Hunted. Oh, man. Uh, it, was, it was an HBO thing um, for BBC One in twenty. 2010.
1: You've just uh, set a terrible example to lots of actors out there who are now going to not turn up, having <laughs> read their script. No,
2: I, you listen. That was when I was very green, and now I, I really, I work really hard to prepare. You know, especially on projects that I really, really want. Mm. Um, those are the dangerous ones, actually, the ones you really, really want. Oh man, it's so hard because how I often think,
1: especially because I do stand up as well, and uh, often with. Stand up. I think I'm always at my best when I care the least. Oh but yeah. How do no you trick yourself into not caring when you want something so bad? It's like that weird. Yeah. It, to be psychological honest, I don't battle. know if
2: there's a, a simple answer to it. You know. Um, if there I, is, I, I audition to play the young version of an iconic character from one of the most iconic movies in movie history recently. Right. And I won't tell you any more than that. I can tell no you no pressure then. <laughs> and I couldn't tell you how much I, I, I wanted it, um, but I had to try and act like it was nothing, and uh, it was really tough. And I, I don't. I, the, the audition went really well. Yeah. Obviously, I didn't hear I really anything. But I, I don't. Luke I don't Skywalker. know. If maybe, maybe they saw something behind my eyes that just said, "Nah, he's oh. not. He's not quite ballsy enough." Really? For this. So, you know, you, ne- you, you just never know. But can you, give yeah, us, can you give us a hint? I think I gave you all the hints okay. I could possibly give you. Now, you're, <laughs> a,
1: you're a huge film fan. You've, even, yeah. uh, you've written about film yourself and mm. presented shows. Um, you have presented me with a guilty pleasure that now this puts me to shame because I've never seen this film. And when uh, I got told this is the film you were picking, mm. I then thought, well, great, because one of the things I love on this show is that I get to watch new things. Yeah, but uh, I couldn't find it anywhere. It's nowhere to be seen, and mm-hmm. I'm starting to think you've made this up. Uh, yeah, well, that I you mean, even shot a fake trailer that they put on you YouTube. If you come to it
2: cold, it's hard to believe that it exists. So. Oh man! Well, so, can tell everyone exactly what the film is. Well, it's a film by uh, the renowned director Tommy Wiseau, and it's called uh, The Room. Um, it's uh, an absolute shambles of of, of ninety minutes. <laughs> Based around uh, a sort of cr- crumbling relationship between a very creepy, possibly o- Austrian middle-aged man mm. and his uh, his attractive sort of hard ha- to know where he's age. from, isn't it? Yeah, he claims yeah. he's from America, right? Um, he's but definitely not. He, I don't think he. Unless I don't a know state. what state that yeah. is, <laughs> um, but he is a state. He is a state himself, and um, this was a movie that gained cult status because it was obviously released as a as a, a, a taught. Uh, emotional drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's laugh out loud hilarious from start to finish. Um, when it became a cult via clips being put out on yeah. YouTube, um, wizu did an about face and claimed that it was a, a black comedy and that he always planned it no, to be fun- I <laughs> funny. Love that. And he's kind of desperately standing by that. But it is top to toe hilarious. Let's
1: give the um, listeners a bit of a taste of. Yeah, a, you should get a sense yeah, of Yeah, you get a sense of these. this.
2: Oh man, I just can't
1: figure women out Sometimes they're just too smart Sometimes they're just flat out stupid Other times they're just evil It seems to me
0: like you're the expert, Mark
2: <laughs> Who's that? Is that the character from The Simpsons? so? Yeah, I should have set that up a little bit better <laughs> The American voice you heard there was the character Mark who's played by Greg Sestero and uh, the crazy voices. It seems like you're an expert, Mark. That's uh, that's Tommy, uh, the the writer, director, and and star. Uh, they have a series of nonsensical conversations about nothing in particular. A lot of them about um, women, though. Yeah, because they? the sort, of, in a sort the of thread of the story, as far as you can grasp it, is that um, they're involved with the same woman, right? Um, and uh, there's secrets and lies. Um, but they just nothing's followed through the script writing is all over the place and um, bizarrely uh, throughout um, characters throw an American football to each other when when conversing there. yeah there's no rhyme or reason for Better that business it feels like <laughs> it feels like it was an improv game or something yeah. that they just took what your turn to through. speak when you there's get even the a ball. scene where they all show up in tuxes yeah to wow. the same uh, you know for For no I mean, reason. everything's pretty much shot in, in, in one room. and There's one, one scene where they do show up in tuxedos, and you feel like this was related to a party, perhaps, that they got cut from the movie, but they just couldn't be asked yeah. to cut all the bits because there was some gold in the tuxes. So when I watched it, I, well, I watched the
1: trailer on YouTube. Uh, it, check it out, people. The Room, and this isn't Room, the recent Brie Larson movie. The Room, uh, just... L- put that into YouTube the trailer alone is hilarious I thought it was like a porn film without any
2: sex there is sex is there is there? sex there is quite explicit sex in it but
1: it's the sort of it's that porn acting like when the delivery yeah man it is like attempt.
2: porn act, like you expect it to be full blown sex within a minute but it isn't it's a genuine <laughs> attempt a, 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 you know a, a cinematic yeah. masterpiece and it's so so ill thought out that it, it becomes brilliant what um, is the room in question well, that's another big question. <laughs> there's this. There's so much set up and literally nothing followed through. That you know, what, Why? So why is it a
1: guilty pleasure for
2: you? Do you? Well, because it's. There's no question. It's. It's the worst film ever made. Right. Um. I think it beats out Edward and and and, and all of that. All of that stuff. Um. That's sort of well recognized. I. Because films, yeah. because there's no excuse in in the modern age mm-hmm. when you can make a movie on an iPhone. Yeah. For. A, a film to be this technically awful. There's, there's just no excuse. But you enjoy watching However, it. However, it is very, very enjoyable. I had a, a, a similar experience recently when I was uh, on, on a rival film show on, on, on Five Live. I had to mm-hmm. watch a bunch of new films, and there's a movie out this week called Misconduct mm-hmm. with Al Pacino and um, Sir Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, which and is. And it is almost ru- the room level incompetent in, in the in the filmmaker but with a oh huge budget God. and big stars it's laughably bad and and you, you know you laugh all the way through and it's uh it's supposed to be a taught legal thriller wow um with ben duhamel in the, in, the, in the in the in the lead role alice eve yeah, you know some I've half seen, decent people yeah i know but it's a shocking mess geez. i mean lines that mean nothing there's a moment where um the woman says to hopkins um now I know this might be hard for you, but I need you to stay as calm as ice. Wow. What? What? Sorry, that's that's <laughs> not a, that's not a phrase. That's not <laughs> that's not something that people say. It is now. Um, is and there's there. there's a lot of that in misconduct. I'd highly recommend that as a guilty pleasure well, which, as well.
1: Which which is more pleasurable and which
2: is more the real more pleasurable yeah. because it is can its it has got more laughs to the minute than most comedy films you'll ever see yeah whereas misconduct you're sort of you're you it's more of a thing of wonder where you're just like wow (laughs) this is a multi-million dollar movie with two oscar winners
1: what were al and anthony talking about in between takes yeah
2: i mean i shudder to think there's some amazing lines from them as well Uh, anthony hopkins at one point says really threateningly to a guy you want to talk a deal I don't think that's a phrase <laughs> anybody's ever said they're that they're inventing phrases that's, that's what you're phrases. missing
1: you're missing that they're trying to you Fantastic. know push Fantastic. the envelope Fun. with,
2: with um, phrases but well, yeah the room is is well, unbelievably I, awful and the archetypal so bad it's good movie, yeah. I'd say. well
1: I'm going to hunt it down uh, thanks so much for joining us uh, it's been a pleasure talking to no, you no pleasure to be here um, thanks good luck with everything you've got coming up and I can't wait to see the David Brent movie yes August um, 19th yeah man that's amazing. Yeah,
2: and I'm sure you'll be talking about it on the show. Maybe yeah. I'll come back and...
1: Uh, Definitely. Well, thanks very much. Stuff. This. Uh, why don't you introduce your final song
2: uh, and tell us why you picked this one as well. Okay. Um, well, first off, I sent these in a while back and I've completely forgotten what uh, <laughs> my second choice is. This
1: is Nothing on Move, I care. Oh, Street, yeah. wow.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is a movie that is sort of renowned for its soundtrack. I, I think, I'd say the soundtrack's probably out... Done the movie over the years. Probably the movie, the movie yeah. is is Superfly, yeah. obviously a, a very sort of legendary black exploitation film. Not a great film. No. Um, however, Curtis Mayfield's soundtrack is unforgettable from start to finish. I mean, everybody will recognise the song Superfly yeah. and the line from Pusher Man. Um, Amazing, really. When you think about the film, it's scoring. Yeah, <laughs> really low budget, <laughs> yeah. quite quite dodgy uh, movie, but there's one song um about sort of being free from the uh um you know the imprisoning effect of 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 hardcore drugs um called uh, no thing on me um that just sort of celebrates uh clean clean living yeah, yeah which is something that I've always aspired to and uh it's just, it just fills your heart with joy, this song. There's no other way of describing it. From the wind chimes onwards, it's just a, it's just a yeah. thing of beauty. Well, that's why I decided we should play out on this.
1: Uh, it's a beautiful song. Thanks very much. Cheers. This is a FUBAR Radio podcast. Go to fubarradio.com for more details.